It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. The Wash of Owasso is excited to welcome you to their new and state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Conveniently located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town, Owasso. They're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for the coin laundry, or you can drop off your laundry for wash and fold service Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Too busy to stop in? No problem! As the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com. That's the Wash of Owasso. To view pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup as a special three-point podcast bonus. Enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two Ps, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the wash of Owasso to our team. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hello, everybody. It's time for episode 209 of the three-point podcast. Our great partners include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and The Wash of Owasso. Woo, what a weekend number one in March madness. On to the Sweet 16 for Michigan. We're going to get into all of it right after this. Looking to buy items online? Go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. What a weekend. I mean, never, ever, ever, ever disappoints. I don't know how it's possible, but there's never been a March Madness tournament where I've looked back on it and said, nope, that didn't live up to the expectations. Every year, it delivers. And just like uh, the tournament, I deliver every year. Another great opening weekend <laughs> on my bracket. Now, I will. Uh, let's just throw this out there. Matt, I think I might need some names and numbers of some ESPN employees. I don't know what happened to my bracket. But two of my biggest picks, one, Notre Dame, at 11 seed upset in Alabama. That wasn't a big deal. That didn't save. Uh, but regardless, when when I was rolling in the first round and I was rooting the entire game for Alabama or for Notre Dame, only to look at my bracket later on and realize that I was rooting for the wrong team the whole time. That really irritated me. Uh, but the bigger one was uh, I had Kansas in my final four, or I thought I did, only to check it this morning and realize that I had Auburn. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, it was a user error on my part, 
but I just want to complain about the interface of the app because I don't know if you yeah. guys are like me where you have like 10 different versions of your bracket, like a working bracket until the clock strikes noon on Thursday, but that's what I do. Yeah. So these picks just didn't end up locking in in time. Uh, I'm still doing good. I'm in fourth place in our bracket. Definitely way ahead of you guys. Honestly, I don't know where you're at on the board. I, I never had to scroll past the first like list of names. So you're yeah. past that, that first list. So I'm not sure where you're at. But uh, just overall, your guys' thoughts on uh, the first weekend of March and uh, your, your bracket. Well, I know that the the fantasy sports app for ESPN – it, it definitely could use some upgrading because there's been actually quite a bit of criticism and they have improved it a little bit, but yeah, it's not very user-friendly. And I just wonder, cause I know Ted, Ted, you know, he emailed us the morning that the tournament was starting, you know, Thursday morning, and he was kind of having some trouble saving his bracket. I almost wonder if millions of people were either on the app or online, you know, trying to save their brackets Thursday morning and it was crashing a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, it kind of sucks when, you know, some of your picks that were right, some of the upsets or some of the good picks didn't save and some of the other ones did. The big Wait thing a minute. For me, you be, you so believe before, him? You believe that? You believe him? That? You I really believe that's true? Look at my picture. I'm, on Thursday morning before the games even started, I posted a picture uh -huh. of my bracket. Why would I post a – you can well, look at it. Those picks, I have Kansas Final Four. I have Notre Dame winning. That was what I was I looking think, at all weekend, only to realize uh, Thursday night that it was entirely false, and a few of those picks weren't even right. It seems to be suspicious to me. It might. It seems to me like <laughs> there's one of us that has multiple brackets. The one no. one guy Listen, that was dogging on it. I'm all about <laughs> making an extra buck or two, but that would go against <laughs> everything I stand for, and it would it would it would be it would hurt me more than it would uh, benefit me in the long run. I, I love the opening. Um, weekend and like i said i'm a maestro i just i know it and i actually wrote down some of my best picks north carolina over baylor iowa state to this 316 richmond upsetting uh iowa and let me just say the second year in a row i told you guys fade the big 10 fade the big 10 except michigan i didn't say that but what yeah. another horrible tournament was for the big 10 i had notre dame yeah. which didn't save and i also had new mexico state uh i just yeah. want to throw this out there um i think the game of the weekend probably has to be uh, North Carolina Baylor. I mean, what a game. Uh, and Ted, I know you hate the TV schedule. I personally love the TV schedule because it gives us almost a, uh, and what you were referencing was the Saturday and Sunday schedule where they have just the yeah. one game at noon, the one game at 2.30. I love it right. because at the end of the night, you almost have a second like Thursday slash Friday feeling where it's game, 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 game. I'm okay with just having the standalone game at noon and the standalone game at 2.30, uh, especially when the game was like that was. I mean, have you guys ever seen anything like that? Uh, but the worst part about it is I hate it when this happens, when a team comes on the crazy comeback only to run out of gas right when they need to uh, turn it on right. and win the game. So it was just an all-time game, and I'm glad I picked it. I saw it coming, but props to Baylor. I, for a team that's been plagued by injury all year and uh, it just hasn't really matched this entire season, I mean, they came out swinging in the last, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and then they ended up losing. But um, yeah, yeah, you kind of said it. the The tournament, it's kind of crazy. It does always deliver. I mean, not that I remember vividly every single tournament every single year, right. but it seems like you know there's never a letdown. Maybe some there's not as many upsets or something, but there's always buzzer beaters. There's always these crazy comebacks. There's always overtime games. There's always upsets. There's always a 15 seed like St. Peter's making a run to the Sweet 16. 
I mean, the, the tournament just always deliver just real quick on my bracket. So I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not, I'm not saying anything, but I'll be honest. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into my picks this year. Like I legitimately looked at it and just went like gut. It just went off my gut. Click, 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 yep. click, click. The one, the big mistake I made, I trusted Kentucky too much. I tweeted this to you, Jared. I, Watching Kentucky all year in the SEC, I really thought that this was a year that Coach Cal had like a legit squad. I thought they were going to make a run. I did what you were just talking about, what I tell myself every year not to do. I don't know why I didn't listen to myself, and I trusted Iowa. I thought Iowa was actually – I was like, you know what? Bohannon is, you know, a veteran. They're playing really well. You know, they they ride that way from the Big Ten tournament into the NCAA tournament. I should have known Fran McCaffrey never makes it to the second weekend of the tournament. And I should have known I I should not have picked them. uh, So that those two were the big ones to me that screwed up my bracket, Kentucky and Iowa. Um, I did pick Michigan though. If you guys remember on the last podcast, I said, I I think they're going to make it to the sweet 16. And now I wish I would have said that. I think they might go farther because I I could see them beating Villanova. You know, they're they're playing pretty well, but yeah, so my my so, turn my, or my bracket's done. Now I'm just hoping Michigan wins. That's I'm watching the tournament so, to hope Michigan wins, basically. Yeah. Why do you guys think me. that is that the the Big Ten is is just struggling like this? I don't understand. I don't. I can't. I, I, this year, I think we all kind of realized that it was just a weak conference. They they made they were going to get a lot of teams in. I mean, obviously, they didn't have any one or two seeds. Um, but I'll, I'll I don't put, know. My, it, my two last, cents. Yeah, yeah, my two cents, real quick, because I Ted, you want to jump in. I think both two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, have not fared very well in this tournament. And Bruce Pearl, after you know the Auburn game, he he said that he thinks the, the SEC just beats up on each other all year, and they're just basically like out of gas. I don't know how much there is to that, but like you could say that about the Big Ten too. You know, like the Big Ten, I think is overvalued, maybe a lot like the SEC is because they beat up on each other. They always have some pretty good teams. And then, yeah, by the time they get to the tournament, that maybe they're out of gas. I think with the Big Ten, my opinion, the style of play doesn't really translate to the tournament. They play a lot of slow basketball. They maybe don't have the crazy athletes like some of these other, you know, conferences do and stuff. And that's why you see a team like Iowa. They're always, like, good in the Big Ten, but then they get to the tournament and they can't win any games in the tournament because Wisconsin even, unless they have, like, Frank the Tank, they can't make a run because Wisconsin just plays a slow style of basketball. So yeah. that that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, there's probably a lot to be said about that. I mean, to put my finger on exactly why the Big Ten every year seems to fail other than one or two teams, you know, they come in with all the accolades. But uh, probably similar to what Pearl's comments were, they do beat each other up. But I think the biggest difference is, the Big Ten does have decent teams, but if you look nationwide, I mean, the athletes on some of these other teams that make a deep run, it just seems like uh, they might have a little better athletes. And and some of these Cinderella teams, you know, they got a lot of veterans on their team, which yeah. I think really, really pays off, especially once they get a little momentum going. Now, I do want to give the young fella a little credit. And, and I was in the kind of the same situation as Matt. I, I I would love to have put in a lot more time and study into the brackets, but I just didn't get into it. But the UCLA pick, whether they win out the rest of the way or not, I mean, that was a great pick. There's no getting around it. I mean, all that experience People, coming back. Yeah. And you know, they think, are, think about the, it. yeah, they're, they're rolling. And I mean, they, 
uh, Hawkeyes. It, it's it's crazy. It's so much fun watching them play. It's like an NBA team. They have Tiger mm-hmm. Campbell, stud. I mean, we saw this last year against Michigan. It's like you can't stop these guys. <laughs> Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang isn't even their best player. He's still a March Madness hero. He started cooking at the end of that St. Mary's game, five straight field goals to close it out. Uh, and then their best player is Hawkeyes who I swear it's either the TV or it's the fact that he's going against these little St. Mary's and mid-major schools. He looks like he's like seven feet out there. I don't know, but he yeah. can score it. He's, he's got a banged up ankle, but he's uh sounds like he's going to be able to play uh, next round. I, I think the reason that uh, we're seeing all these upsets and tell me if I'm wrong, but this is the best the tournament's ever been these last like four or five years, almost when the one and done is kind of, it's not like it was back then where it's like John Wall and Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins, all these guys like teaming up on one squad that could really make a run. They're kind of spreading out. And the majority of college players that are even somewhat good players are leaving after one year. And you're seeing these been majors. Like you said, it's like they're senior laden. Uh, they are great teams. They care about each other, great chemistry. And it's just leading to all these upsets. And mm. I'm just loving it. It makes the tournament so much better. There's no game you can take off. I mean, St. Peter's, literally the lowest funded school in Division One, is upsetting people in the tournament, making it to the Sweet 16. That's the epitome of anyone can win in this tournament. And that's what makes it uh, so awesome. Uh, I have a few little uh, quick, like, little yeah. fire notes to throw out at you guys uh, for your quick thoughts. Uh, the orange balls. I love them. Uh, if you guys that didn't notice the the new basketballs this year, they're like highlighter orange. I, mm-hmm. When I first saw them, I figured like something was off on my TV. Uh, <laughs> but as the tournament went on and on, and I see a few more of the balls switch through the net, I realized I absolutely loved the, the new balls. What did you guys think? Did you it think would, about it at all? It, I did. Yeah, not. I mean, as long as it, yeah, as long as the players liked them, you know, whatever. But to me, when I first saw the picture of them, they look like the cheap rubber basketballs that you see in like at right. Elsa Meyer that they roll out for recess, you know, and they're, they're <laughs> lopsided. There's like no grip on them or something. They, they just look really cheap, but as long as the players like them, as long as Eli Brooks can throw a hook shot and put it in whatever. Yep. That's no all kidding. Yeah. I and, think uh, I had we'll one fleeting I'm... thought. Yeah. I just was going to say, yeah. I had one fleeting thought where I, I looked at it and <laughs> go, that ball looks a little brighter. And that was it. <laughs> well, this next note is just for you. Uh, the broadcast oh, crews. Where do these guys come from every year? I forget about <laughs> them. It's like they only announce March Madness games, and it's like five different superstar crews. I love it. <laughs> uh, just yeah. a few of the guys that I think do a great job play-by-play. I mean, Harlan, uh, Brad Nessler, um, you got Brian Anderson, you have Jim Nance. I mean, just superstar broadcasting crews. I don't know. And it's like the Grant Hill, Rafferty uh nance crew i think they're only together for tournament games but i mean for a college basketball game what more could you want uh just the crews they take me away they blow me away every year especially in the michigan game you can really feel it they understand the moment they 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 know that the tournament is important to people like us and to these players and it doesn't matter if it's a round of 64 game between a nine and an eight seed they bring it every game uh and i'm just thankful for it you forget about it every year and every year, it's it's like the Masters coming in uh, April. These broadcast crews just come out of the corn, like uh, baseball or Field of Dream style, and just announce these games. I just love it. There's a couple that are good. I mean, you listed some of the good ones. Ian Eagle, is he's one of the best. Oh, yeah, Ian Eagle. Yeah. yeah, he's really good. But some of the color people, I, like Avery Johnson, right. I'm just not a big fan of Avery Johnson. He just like can't complete a thought, you know. And it, I'm I'm kind of there's there was someone else that was calling a game on True TV that I I mean I didn't even know who the two people were on True TV. Yeah. Um. But you know, yeah, the the all star crews like you listed, they are they are some of the best in the business calling college basketball. That's for sure. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, overall, I think I think you give them a you know a solid A minus at the very least if you lump them all together. I agree with you that there's a few weaknesses there, and Avery's one of them. But uh, yeah. you know, it's still kind of comical listening to him, so yeah. that's okay. I, I, I think. Go ahead. Talking about like talking about it being comical. Do you guys every year and because it's Charles Barkley, he's a legend. You can almost tell that Barkley, like you know, the tournament starts on Thursday. He probably just started paying attention to college basketball like Wednesday night. He had some PA like Jared, you know, write up a yep. ton of like a, a Cliff Notes version of all the teams to look out for. He read it and he's out there Thursday just like trying to just like BS his way through this whole thing. But it's Barkley, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's all I was gonna say. It's like hundred percent. He probably as soon as that bracket gets announced, he probably did what you did, just fill it out as quick as quickly as he can. Uh, but I tell you what, he's still electric on TV. I love that the TNT crew it, uh, comes and works for these March Madness games. It's awesome. Uh, they they put on yeah. a great show, halftime show. Even if they don't know what they're talking about, still, uh, yeah, I still love it. Oh, um, I mean, Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson's the best at whatever he does. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, he's very good. Do you, what do you guys think about Clark Kellogg? Does he belong in the studio or does he belong uh, at the gym? <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously. Well, I, think I, he, I think he does a great yeah. job, honestly. I I don't think I, – I like him. Like I said, it's maybe it's just because it's like every time I watch March Madness, I'm in such a good mood that you can throw Avery <laughs> Johnson on the screen and I don't even care. I'm still going to love it. That's kind of how I view Clark Kellogg. I mean, he only comes okay. around at the end of every March or at the end of every uh, – like selection Sunday, it seems like it's the first time we see him every year. So no, I, I like him. Why do you sound like you have some sort of vendetta against him? No, no, absolutely no, no vendetta. I, I like him too, but I just think his stronger suit is uh, adding color to a game, and he doesn't quite fit to me in that TBS, you know, studio. That's all. Yeah, you know, when you got yeah, him and, and like Barkley it, and Kenny, I mean, it just doesn't seem like a fit to me. That's all. It's almost like they plug him in because he's like actually Legit like a college, college basketball guy. For, Right, and, right. You know, so they're like, we need someone that actually knows college basketball. But like, you're just used to seeing Shaq, Chuck, and Kenny. Right, and right. So like, when you plug him in, it's a little bit like hey, this feels a little weird. Now they've been doing it so long like that, it's kind of you know is what it is or whatever. But no, I mean, it, it's all. I mean, everything about March Madness is great. The upsets and everything that we've talked about. Michigan making a little bit of run. Like I don't. Some of the stuff like I know we we've been back and forth a little bit on Juwan really high on him, you know, maybe last year after he won AP coach of the year, a little up and down this year, wondering what the heck is going on with this team or whatever. I, I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, a, a few things, but mm -hmm. so obviously Michigan, not, not a very good regular season, basically a 500 team. Now they're in the sweet 16 fifth straight year. I mean, Ted, you remember Jared, you, you barely remember because you were like, you were born through some of those like rough years of Michigan basketball to think about through the late nineties, you know, post Steve Fisher, late nineties through like the early two thousands with Brian Ellerby came in and coached Tommy mm -hmm. Amaker came in and actually was really good, but you know, there was a lot of sanctions. They couldn't recruit anyone. Yeah. Couldn't go to the tournament for a while to think about where Michigan was through that stretch. And then John Beeline came in and obviously turned it around. Juwan Howard's kept it going to think that in the last 10 years, they've been to two national title games, and now they've been to five straight Sweet 16s. First time a Big Ten team has ever done that. No other Big Ten team has ever gone to five straight Sweet 16s. It's just insane to think about where Michigan basketball is. You know, like to think, like thinking about where they were 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have even fathomed that this was going to happen. 
So like, do you, you get like, do you think about that or is it just kind of like, eh, is what it is at this point? It's, it's weird. I don't, it, we're, we're, we're bad fans because like, imagine if this was like Kentucky or something, they would be raising John Beeline like in the rafters already and <laughs> Jawan Howard. But I think it's just because of the Michigan football, like the umbrella holds over our heads, man. It, or the storm cloud more like it, it, it just, it makes it so we don't appreciate this basketball team for what it is. And what it is, is, these this last 10 years, you just laid it out. It's basically we are having the best 10 year run of almost any program ever, you th- other than maybe yeah, Villanova mean, really. the last like 10 years. This is almost like, like a, a Tom Izzo run, uh, from like when it was what when Michigan State was in their prime from you know mid 2000s to 2000 early 2010s. That's exactly yeah. what Michigan has been doing. Um, I, I love Juwan, I love the post game. He knows the cameras are on him. I'm gonna console this kid for an extra three minutes. What did you guys think about that? <laughs> For cameras, well, I mean, or yeah, was it just Juwan is a pure heart? Which one was it? I think I think it's both ways. Yes, it's always these things. These people know the cameras are on them, so you, you can't you know, like deny that. But he did say that, like, I guess him and his that that kid and his son have Played been playing together. AAU ball for like ten years together or something. So like he knows this kid, and the kid was you know right. he was crying. You know he's trying to console the kid. So I think it goes both ways. I think Juwan's is genuine. He doesn't give a shit what the cameras. He doesn't care what people think about him. He smacked the coach a couple of weeks ago or whatever. So, yeah. you know, he doesn't care about that. He also does know the cameras on him, but I think sure. he's also just consoling this kid. It's a kid that he knows personally. So, well, I wanted to gag when coach K was stroking his player's hair on the oh. floor. I mean, yeah. that made me sick to my stomach because he absolutely <laughs> knew the camera was on him. Right. No doubt about it. So Coach K is soaking up this farewell tour a little too much. He's soaking this thing up a little bit. If the fact that Michigan State wasn't the one to bounce him, I'm a Coach K fan forever for that one reason because we would have never heard the end of it. Think of what was on the line yesterday. If Michigan State had won that game, it would have been basically like they won the national championship. So I'm just thankful that that didn't happen. What do you guys think of the Michigan? Why do you think it is that we're just kind of like, I mean, think about it, All, all Michigan football season. We couldn't wait to get in here and like record and talk about the last Michigan football game. Michigan's right. Michigan basketball, meanwhile, five straight sweet sixteens, an eleven seed. They just pulled two huge upsets, and it's kind of like almost forgotten within a couple days. Why? Why are we wired this way? Well, there's there's one reason. I mean, Michigan football, the all time winning program in college football. I mean, Michigan that Michigan would have to have another ten year run in basketball to even begin to get in the conversation over football. It just isn't going to happen. You know, yeah. you hear the, you hear the conversation uh, is Michigan state, a football or basketball school. Come on. They're a basketball school. Yeah. They got a decent football right. program and they've got some tradition, but it's a basketball school and it's just the complete opposite way for Michigan. It's going to yeah. take, well, in fact, I don't know if it'll ever happen in my lifetime that basketball right. would overtake football. Just not, no. just not going to happen. No. Cause I mean, think about it. We went through Rich Rod and Hoke and, right. Beeline was turning things around and it was still a football school. So, you know, I I think it's something that, you know, I I think it's a little bit of Michigan arrogance. I think, you know, Michigan mates makes five straight sweet 16s and, you know, Michigan goes, yeah, we should be because we're, you know, we're Michigan. We should be. Yeah. I was going to say, why rock the (laughs) boat? Let's, let's just roll with what, how it is. It's awesome. (laughs) Right. And, and I think the whole, it's a football school thing comes into play. Like, yes, we love this, but the minute that basketball season is done, it's straight to football. It's right. when is when is the spring yeah, game? Yeah. When is summer camp open up? Who's playing quarterback? And it's all about the football team. So we love this. We I, love seeing Juwan hugging Chris Weber. We love seeing Ray Jackson back in the locker room. We love seeing all of this stuff. But 
I, even if like it, it what's crazy like the few years ago when uh we played Villanova in the national championship game I just remember thinking Michigan was playing in the national championship game in basketball and like you didn't really hear about it a whole lot like yeah people were talking about it or yeah. whatever it was a big deal but then once they lost it was straight to football it was like cool we lost we're done so I, I think that's the big thing. It's a football. I think it's, it's crazy too. Eli Eli Brooks was on that team. Isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes no dude. I don't know how dude these these COVID and redshirt and like transfer portal. I, these guys' career is like ten years long now. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. We talked about it a couple pods ago. Jordan Bland, stay in college as long as you can, man. Shake yeah. shake your face like uh, the kid in Billy Madison is what I would do if I was. Uh, that's what believe? I would do if I saw him in person. Um. No, but I think what also kind of plays into it is the fact that we never, even though we made it to the championship game twice, you know, Elite Eight, handful of other times, Sweet 16s, all these Sweet 16s, we never have won the national. We've never actually won it. And so yeah. it's just kind of like we've never been on top of the mountain. I, I think if we would have right. won that Trey Burke year, I mean, I'm probably like a totally different, you know, my whole fandom, my whole life is totally different. And I think a lot more people would probably be a little bit more behind this Michigan program. But the fact that we've never totally got over the um, I think it does affect us, but uh, the guy who might actually help us do it, Hunter Dickinson. I mean, in my book, he's a legend for life for what we've seen these last two games. One, I don't know how this Michigan team – I still don't understand what flipped uh, in the middle of that Colorado State game. It was – this is the absolute definition of a Jekyll and Hyde team. And that's why, Matt, I'll give you props, man. It was a great pick to take them to the Sweet 16, especially for something like me. I, I had uh, – I didn't have Tennessee doing anything crazy. It just was a smart pick where you 100% could see the payoff if Michigan just put the pieces together. And the biggest part, I think, for their success these first two weeks has just been the fact that when you're in the Big Ten schedule, somebody like Hunter Dickinson, these guys have played him twice a year. They scout him all year long. They know all of his tricks. But when you just have to line up against Hunter Dickinson with a couple of days of film and a couple of days of prep, it's a totally different animal. And I think that's exactly what these teams are running into is he's almost unguardable uh, when you don't know all of his moves and when you aren't familiar with everything he's done, like a lot of these centers are in the Big Ten. Uh, and he's just feasting. Uh, and, and for what he did, those two big threes he hit, the celebrations, he's the, he's the spiritual animal for this team. I love him. I mean, I don't care if they don't win another game. He cemented himself in in my personal history books as a Michigan basketball legend. Yeah, he had that game against Michigan State this year, you know, when Michigan beat Michigan State. He had a huge game, talking crap the whole time. He had like 10 dunks. And then this run that he's had, yeah, it's only been two games. But he, you know, he led them to the Sweet 16, and he's been dominating. It's almost like, uh, remember when Mitch McGarry had that run, you know, in the tournament, and it was like, man, this is why Mitch McGarry was supposed to be so good. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, Hunter Dickinson's kind of doing that. When you have a guy like Dickinson who can score down low, who can shoot a three pretty well now. He he developed his three-point shot. And don't forget, he can hit free throws too. He's a very good free throw shooter. He hit a couple free throws late against Tennessee that were huge. So, and and the whole energy thing. He's talking crap to the other cheerleaders. Yep. And, you know, he's flexing every time that he makes a shot and stuff. So, you know, that's big. You got to have someone with some energy. That's what Franz Wagner was. That's what Mo Wagner was. That's what, you know, all these other dudes were. You got to have someone like that. So that's why, I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a fan pick, but that, that was, it was 100% all, I mean, so I guess I would say 25% fan pick, but it was 75% boomer bust. It was like, if this team can put it together, they have all the talent to beat anyone in the country because no one in, no one in the country really has taken off maybe Gonzaga, but you know, like no one else has really like taken that step to be like the right. team. 
the one thing Tennessee was playing really well coming in. Like people are already starting to say like, Oh, Michigan's got an easy road. Tennessee had won 15 to 17 games coming into the tournament. That's pretty good. And they, they made a run. They won the NCC tournament title. So Tennessee had an argument to be a one or a two seed. So they, they just ended up at the three line, but so that, that was, it was a huge win for Michigan. And to think about like where they were a few weeks ago, they went through the whole COVID thing. They went through the whole Juwan suspension thing. They went through, you didn't know what you were getting from Dickinson. Then their starting point guard, Devontae Jones, is out. So to think about all the stuff that they've had to go through, and they're sitting here in the Sweet 16 with a legit shot to go to the Final Four, it's pretty impressive. The big thing to me, and I've tweeted it out probably like at nauseum, I'm like so happy that Frankie Collins got a shot to play. I think that's one legitimate criticism of Juwan Howard this year, not playing his bench guys enough. I know you've got your starters. You've got Dickinson. You're going to play him. You've got Eli Brooks. You're going to play him. But when you've got these freshmen that like Diabate, Houston, even Devontae Jones, even though he's a fifth-year senior, when they go through these stretches where you can clearly see they're struggling, and you've got these freshmen on the bench and Frankie Collins, Kobe Bufkin, even Terrence Williams, you know, he's a second-year player, sitting there. It's like, play them. Give these dudes a chance. They're going to make freshman mistakes. Cool. Whatever. But like the energy they bring, they're young. They've got these fresh legs. Like get them on the court. They're going to make plays. And you see when Terrence Williams comes in, he's attacking the glass every time, getting these tip-ins. He's playing hard defense. Like Ted, you must've been loving the way Terrence Williams was playing the other night, just running all over the place. So I, I was just, I was glad to see these young kids get a chance and step up and play. I was going to say, well, in fact, I'm going to say it right now. Matt, just use that whole breakdown for our video because you couldn't say it any better. <laughs> I mean, 100% agree. And it's not just uh, Frankie Collins has good legs. The kid can has a killer crossover and high energy. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look at this whole season and, and the whole Juwan thing, and maybe that break that he had, he had a chance for not only soul-searching, but also to look at this team and look what they really can do, you know, and being able to go to the backup point guard and see what he can do in a big game. The kid can play, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not just yeah. Dickinson. I mean, I think they found a lot of things and I, that Michigan team right now, and it's not just the uh, maize and blue for me, they're a dangerous team. They, yeah. they could run for sure to the final four and, and could even possibly win the natty. I mean, that's, that's a stretch right at this point. Right. But the way they're playing, the way they're playing right it, now, seriously, you do you agree or disagree? Because well, think about it, they, uh, they I mean, beat Tennessee. I think it's they a, beat Tennessee. You take a one weekend at a time. Yes, yeah. you do. You, you can't Same say, with UCLA. I don't, I don't think it's a national championship team if they keep put, like keep adding uh, pieces to the puzzle and they show us that uh, it wasn't just a, a couple of games. I mean, think about it. This is a Jekyll and Hyde team. That doesn't mean that they're going to be good the rest of the way. I, they, Right. They could easily turn, turn back to the dumpster fire that we watched for 90% of the season. Uh, I will say, I just got to throw this out. This is actually what sparked the idea of the broadcast crews was Williams had the great putback. And I don't even know who the play-by-play -play was on the game, but he had a great call. He goes, Williams, where did he come from? <laughs> and something about that call, just, I loved it. I was, I like rewinded it and watched it like, honestly watched it like two or three times. Um, but yeah, no, these guys are playing. Everyone's chipping in. I mean, Williams hit some big shots, big offensive rebounds. Diabate, three of the biggest blocks I think I've seen in the tournament. I mean, wow. Uh, he's a serious athlete. I can't wait to see what he does if he's really going to like develop his game in the offseason, even if he goes pro or does whatever he needs to do. I think he'll be a great pro. Uh, but man, I'm just excited yeah. to watch this team. I mean, Villanova's very good. Uh, the yeah, last time right. we saw Villanova, I think they 
they probably are still scoring on us. I think they scored 300 <laughs> points in that championship game, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my lasting memory. I mean, Jay Wright, he's not a coach I want to face. Uh, I will say they're really rolling. So I think if we can get through Villanova, then Ted, I'm with you on the, hey, let's go win a national championship. But we got to win yeah. against Villanova first. Right. Yeah, the Vill- right. If they get past Villanova, you, you've beaten Tennessee, you beat Villanova. It's kind of like you may as well go win the title. Go all but, in. But we've seen we've seen Michigan all year, and we've seen them play pretty terrible too. So think about, though, they, they did beat Tennessee. Caleb Houston didn't even score. And, you know, he not that he's like one of their best players, but he's averaging like 12 points a game. So to think about that, they right. beat Tennessee with him not even scoring a point is impressive. You've got a guy like Eli Brooks, who's a veteran. He's not necessarily the best ball handler, but like with the ball in his hands, you know, he can he's going to make the smart plays, you know, even if it is a crazy hook shot that goes in. Uh, he shoots like 90 percent from the free throw line, you know, so like all that stuff, they they really they've got all the pieces that you need to make a run. You just got to put it together. You know, you, you can't really point to one thing where it's like, yeah, they don't have a big guy or, eh, they're not very experienced or, you know, they don't really have anything like that. And I think that's kind of where Michigan state, uh, we got to talk about Ted Spartans up there losing once right. again, once again, not making it to the second yep. weekend. Uh, Tom Izzo, you know, this is his month in March, but he just can't seem to figure out. He must want, he must like vacation in March. That's why he doesn't like making it to the second weekend. But wow, I, you guys I think, are you guys are haters, man. Yeah, well, After that I, game against Duke, I'm come on, I'm actually, that was a hell of a game. When it's my turn, I'm gonna hate. I well, I was, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say quick, I was just gonna say quick. The one thing I think that came that hurt Michigan State as opposed to Michigan, what I was just saying. I think Michigan State Duke was just better. Hey, Duke right. Duke has Duke has four or five NBA players. Michigan State's a good team. You know they're solid. They're an all around like solid team. They were up five with five minutes to go in the game, and I think Duke you know just put the put the clamps on and started scoring and, and won the game. So that that's I just where the difference is with Michigan and Michigan State in the tournament. That's what I was trying to say. But it is funny that Izzo can't make it to the yeah. second weekend in the tournament in his own month. <laughs> Your turn, Jared. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it, it's not good. Uh, and, and you know it's not good when, like, a national site, like, freezing cold takes, jumps on the January-February Izzo joke. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, you guys buried the lead. Maybe, maybe the best moment of the tournament, Foster Lawyer at the free throw line. Oh. Jim Nance, Bill Rappery, and Grant Hill are just going gaga for this guy. Talking about uh, he's been a captain on both Davidson, Michigan State. He, he made 119 straight free throws in high school. I was loving it. Uh, he he didn't disappoint. I mean, he's still just not a good athlete. I, it's incredible that he's made it as far as he has in basketball because it's essentially like me out there, uh, except he's way, way more skilled. Um, so <laughs> I just had to throw out Foster Lawyer. He didn't disappoint me. No, they didn't get the win. I, I did pick Davidson, but I wasn't disappointed in how they played. Uh, but Michigan State, I don't know how you can be disappointed if you're a State fan. They battled. I mean, Duke has always had their number other than the one Zion year. Uh, they they played tough. They played a team that was way better than them and gave them everything they could handle. Uh, Gabe Brown came and showed. Joey Hauser showed out against Davidson. I mean, it's a good team. Let's see if they can build off it next year. I mean, I th- I saw an interesting thread from uh, Justin Rose basically laying out how Izzo's not washed up. You know, maybe he just needs to kind of have the Jim Harbaugh treatment, basically just bring in some young assistants and maybe some fresh blood into that program. I don't, I'm not ready to write Izzo off either. Uh especially because we didn't really think that team was this good. That team was that good this year. And they gave Duke all they could, you know, I think Duke's maybe one of the top two or three teams in the country this year. So they were all yeah. 
all as good as they were uh, supposed to be. But I don't know. I, I just Michigan State. I, I, I the way I look at it is, is it was a good tournament. They showed out. They played well. But at the end of the day, it's it's forgettable. I mean, yeah. if they would have beat Duke, I'm just glad they didn't because we would have had to hear about that forever. Uh, so I'm just glad they didn't. That's for damn sure. Yeah, the one comment on that game is I don't think they lost it because of Izzo's coaching. You know, I think they got beat by a better team in Duke. That's that's my that, opinion. He made some odd substitutions, though. That's one one thing. He's, he's taking some guys out who were rolling. But yeah. I'm, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree. Yeah. But And back to Foster Lawyer, I think the highlight moment, and this kind of segues into another topic from the weekend, was the refereeing. How on earth? Did the referees not call traveling late in that game when Foster Lawyer went crawling on his belly, bouncing on the basketball, and gave him a timeout? I mean, my goodness. And that was just one of many debatable calls. I mean, the 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 dunk that was called a technical, what game was that, that really turned the tide? I mean, there was a few calls that just yeah, weren't Illinois, very Houston. good. Okay. Illinois, Iowa. I well, I forget who was shooting it. It might have been Bohannon, but someone was shooting a three and clearly got hacked across the arm. Right. No call. So I, the it referees, yeah. It, can you point at it and say like they lost these teams, these games? You know, maybe not necessarily, but no. like, it's just been so bad mm-hmm. all around. Like you know, people always point to Big Ten refs, but I know obviously I'm kind of forced to, but I watch a lot of SEC basketball. They're just as bad in the SEC, also. I think college coaches or college referees are just bad all around. And one reason, and a lot of people point it out, is they're not full-time employees. So, mm. you know, they're just part-time referees. Yeah, they do it a lot, but, you know, they're not doing it full-time. So you hope that they have the best of the best to do the tournament, but, you know, they're obviously going to miss calls. But, you know, it's just crazy. I, I'm not trying to bash on Izzo, obviously. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Izzo. I, I respect him. He's, he's one of the best ever for sure. It's nothing like that. But it is crazy to think that five of the last six tournaments held, he hasn't made it to the second weekend. Obviously, the one, they made it to the final four. So, you know, he can still coach, obviously. But five of the last six, they're not even making it to the second weekend. I mean, I'm not saying he's washed. I'm not saying he's done. They should can him, get rid of him, kind of like Mark D'Antonio treatment. I'm not saying anything like that. But it's almost like you you saying, Ted, like when, when Juwan got suspended, maybe he looked himself in the mirror and said, mm-hmm. you know what, i got to do some soul searching. Tom Izzo, 67. Is he going to do that at 67? Is he really going to be like, i got to change my uh, like recruiting tactics? i got to change the way, you know, kids these days, 17, 18-year-olds, they're different than the late 90s, you know, early 2000s. you right. got to like, you got to treat these kids a little different than Mateen Cleaves and Morris Peterson and guys like that. So, is it something that he just needs some young coaches to come in and help him out a little bit? Maybe that's why Juwan has a guy like Phil Martelli on his staff to kind of go the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a guy like Martelli who has a ton of experience to help him with stuff. So yep. you think like, you know, Izzo just needs to kind of do some soul searching. Go over to go over to Grand Haven. He's got that place over in Grand Haven. Go go sit on the lake and think about how you can try and get to the second weekend next year. You know, this is our forum to talk and break it down, but it would be interesting to me. Uh, to hear from a true, from true Michigan State fans that analyze the program and, and their true feelings on Izzo, and if he does even need to change, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from Sparty Nation on uh, on their thoughts. You know, they can't be too happy that they're done. You know, I know most of them are happy that their performance against Duke, but uh, I don't know. It's just like Jared said, we don't have to hear about it. At least Michigan's the one moving on. 
at the end of the day, it's, it's still uh, it's still L. And when you look back at on look back on it in twenty years, it's kind of going to be a forgettable game. Around a thirty two yeah. game didn't come down to like some buzzer beater. Didn't didn't really. I mean, I already forgot about it to be honest. It, yeah. it really means nothing. Coach K advances. They didn't end his career. Uh, had right. a lot of great buildup, but just didn't deliver. I, no, I don't think Izzo's done at all. And I think it's it's just the way the tournament is, man. It, it, the best coaches, uh, no matter how good of a team you have. I mean, I, who's arguing that Coach Cal is probably not a better coach than uh, Sheehan of uh, St. Peter's and that Kentucky's probably not a better team all around than St. Peter's as much as sometimes you catch the team at the wrong time. They start rolling. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we love the tournament, but that's maybe some of the downsides. It doesn't crown a true champion all the time. But it's not like Michigan State has had some sweet teams in the last five years. I mean, they had the one team that made the run to the Final Four, which I think a lot of people sweep, sweep under the rug. I love how the stats are delivered. Yeah, for the last five years, they haven't made it to, out of the first weekend. And that one year that they did make it out of the first weekend, they made it all the way to the Final, to the final Four. I just think that's funny. I, I support that narrative. Let's keep that freaking the way it is. But <laughs> No, it's Tom Izzo. He knows what to do. He's a good coach. Like I said, I just think you need to get some new young blood in there, some fresh assistance, and at the end of the day, just hit the recruiting trail and try to bring in some fresh recruits. I mean, they, I just toured that stupid uh, brand-new practice facility. It's world-class. So bring some recruits to that dang place already. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I it, and it's not trying to – again, it's not trying to pile on, but it's – you know, it's five of the last six years. He can't even make it to the sweet 16 and he is getting good recruiting classes. I mean, he's getting some of the top recruiting classes in the country. So like, is he just not developing the talent? I mean, we all remember him playing right. Ben Carter over Jaron Jackson, who's tearing it up in the NBA right now. Oh, that and, was terrible. You know, that was terrible. Right. And he's, he's putting, he's putting all of his faith in a dude like foster lawyer. And obviously that didn't work out. So like, I'm not saying he's trash. I'm not saying they should fire him. You know, like I, I feel like Michigan State fans, if you even hint at a criticism of Tom Izzo, they just blow up. Oh my God, you're such a hater. Blah. It's like, okay, stop. Get get him off your pedestal. He's just a basketball coach. Let's all relax a little bit. He can take some criticism. His national title is over 20 years ago. Yes, he's made some Final Fours, but basically that just means he's a runner-up. It, it just means he lost again. So it's not like he's winning a ton of national titles. He's one of the best ever. It's not taking anything away. It's just like, you know, Ted, you definitely remember like Bob Knight is one that was one of the best coaches ever. And then like he just got to a point where like his like he couldn't relate to the players anymore. It's not that he forgot how to coach. Yeah. It's just like it didn't what he was selling wasn't working anymore. Maybe that kind of started happening even with like Roy Williams or mm -hmm. even Coach K. Coach K just has a ton of talent. But maybe it's just like Izzo just I, I feel like. I know we love the tough love, Ted, you love the tough love coaching and him being like a hard ass and stuff, but maybe kids these days don't really, you know, take that as well as some of the guys 20 years ago. I don't know. I'm just, no, you know. those are fair. Those are fair points. And you know, the whole night comparison could be part of it too. I mean, you, you know, it's, you make good valid points. Let's put it that way. But obviously uh, Izzo has, has, earned his accolades that he yeah. has even though they won the national title you know 20 years ago and i should throw on the table here you know on the last podcast we made our predictions and i said spartans over duke well i didn't fill my bracket out that way i took yeah. duke so just so we're on the same page well, i'm going you full have both ways. They basically you predicted both ways no no my bracket you uh, i i did the one bracket brother <laughs>
No, I know, but you threw out the uh, the pick, and I will say my one horrible pick, Yale over Purdue. I kind of picked that more with my heart than my head. I mean, Purdue is scary good. We kind of crapped on the right. Big Ten. Purdue looks legit. Jaden Ivey, right. uh, we're all Pistons fans here. I mean, has this opening weekend, has any uh, top prospect kind of caught your eye? For me, I love Holmgren. Bring me Chet Holmgren. I don't care if he ends up being a bust. I want to see how he plays out, and I want to be there to watch it firsthand. Uh, whether it You're goes saying in the NBA? He's, you're saying NBA? Yeah. Is that what you're an saying? NBA pick. Yes. Wow. I want Holmgren. Okay. I just um, yeah, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna be a top pick. I just yeah. wonder about his body in the NBA. You right. know, is the only thing. Is he gonna be like another Porzingis where you know Porzingis has a ton of talent, right. but he just can't he just and gets beat N- up. And the NBA is not a center dominated league anymore either. Not not unless you can shoot threes, you know, like uh, like Joel Embiid or something. So you gotta be able to shoot. I like right. Ben Ben Caro Ben Chero out of uh, Duke. I think he would be perfect to put next to Cade Cunningham. You need mm-hmm. he's six foot ten, and he can play that position. Um, you know, I think he would be great. Jabari Smith out of Auburn, I think, would be great too. I see a lot of people saying Jaden Ivey, you know, from Purdue, but he, he's basically the same player as Cade Cunningham, and that that's the only thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it because he's very good, but you know, that, it does. Hopefully, the Pistons just keep tanking, stop winning games. <laughs> And you know, stay in that yeah. stay in that top pick position because there's some right. good players. There's some good I, players. Yeah, I like them all. I mean, yeah, you said Ivy. Here's the thing about Ivy that I love: his mom. I mean, head coach at Notre Dame, longtime head coach. You, right. When you see players like that, that have the they grew up around the game, they grew up around you know the lights, the the, the shining bright lights. Uh, like Donovan Mitchell with his dad is kind of what it reminds me of. I, I love players like that because when he gets to the NBA. It's going to be something he's always expected to do, and it's kind of like, okay, I've arrived. Now it's time to get to work. Whereas I feel like other players, you know, sometimes they get there and it's like, okay, I made it. You know, I put in all the work. Now I don't really need to work that hard anymore. I think he's going to be great pro. And like, it's just a loaded class. I mean, honestly, give me any of those top four guys, uh, and I'll be grinning uh, ear to ear. So I like them all. I'm looking ahead to next week, uh, I think the biggest games of the weekend got to be. I'm looking at just North Carolina versus UCLA. There's going to be points galore going up in that game. I think whoever wins that is probably my favorite to win the whole entire thing. Both teams are playing great right now. Uh, both teams are shooting the light, shooting the shit out of the ball. I'm loving them both. Uh, another big game: Texas Tech versus Duke. Uh, those are the two big ones I have circled. What about you guys? I saw uh, I Texas Tech. Texas Tech. I love up uh, as a favorite. Texas Tech's coach, old school guy, but I love him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw Texas Tech open up as a favor in that game. That's kind of crazy. That that should be a good game. The wild one is Iowa State versus Miami. <laughs> it's just like a random yeah. matchup. But Arizona Houston ought to be a good one. I mean, they Arizona all should be Houston. pretty good games, man. Right. So we'll wrap I up. Mean, this I, honestly, I mean, we kind of said it. Looking forward, obviously, as Michigan fans, but I think whoever wins that game is really poised to make make a run. Mm-hmm. You know, and. If Michigan can win, you know, it's it, you know, you get excited. It, basically, if you make it to the Elite Eight, who knows what can happen, you know? So they can just get by Villanova. But, you know, I, we're talking about the upsets and everything. And so I've talked about the college football playoff and people bring this up. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned before that maybe the NCAA tournament isn't the best way to crown the actual best team in college basketball. But who cares? We love March Madness. It's the best thing ever. All the upsets, all the crazy plays, all the, you know, the games and everything. Seeing seeing the tournament year after year after year, does it make you even more think that college football should expand to 12 or 16 teams? Because, yeah, you might always have Alabama or Georgia or, you know, Ohio State dominating, but you might get that one year that, like, the 12-seed 
Penn State upsets number one Georgia, and it's just awesome, you know. Like, does do you think it, or do you think college football is just a completely different beast? It wouldn't even work this way, or you know, just seeing the, just, the basketball tournament play out, you know, make you want them to expand the football playoff. I I think it should be expanded. I, I, I don't think to this this extent, but I've always yeah, yeah. thought all along it should be extended at least to eight. College football is so broken right now that honestly, I've always been kind of against expanding it because I love how the regular season, every game matters. But I mean, when when we're just seeing the same guys get crowd champion year to year and it's always a blowout, it's kind of hard for you not to try to look for other ways to kind of fix it. But I do think that it's kind of just the way the sport is. I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, or you, Ted, all those years ago, but when I was, when I was my whole life, I never ever got nervous for a basketball game because when a basketball game starts, it's like, you have the entire game to kind of like make up for any mistakes you really make. Uh, and like the whole game is kind of under control. You make one bad play. Oh, it's like two points. But whereas football, it's kind of like if you're a lower team and, and I guess this could kind of go the other way where if you make a couple big plays, you can upset somebody. Uh, but I view it the other way where it's almost like every single play you have to play perfectly because if you have one, you know, pick six or one fumble in the, in your own territory, like the entire game and flip and you can lose it. So that's what I've always looked at it. Whereas I don't think more games would necessarily mean more upsets they wouldn't mm-hmm. happen just because that's kind of the way football is, but it wouldn't be the same as college basketball. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I mean, think. the March Madness, we all agree, is it's the greatest three weeks in sports, isn't it? Without it a is, doubt. yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, it's obviously a big difference because you got teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. They're just so much better than other teams. Coastal Carolina yeah. or something like that. They're not about to upset some of those teams. Even Cincinnati made it to the playoff and they couldn't compete. So you probably wouldn't see something like what St. Peter's is doing. But how cool is it to think about Shaheen Holloway, you know, their head coach? Without the tournament, he probably would be a coach at St. Peter's for the next, you know, who knows how long. Because not mm-hmm. that many people, unless you're like a junkie, you know, know, know who he is. Now, He's bursted on the scene and he's probably going to get a big time contract offer in the next year or two. Like that, that's the kind of stuff that's cool about the tournament. You see the, the video of St. Peter's, you know, they're having like the watch party at their gym back at their, their school high school a, gym. Yeah. It basically looks like Corona high school gym, you know, like, right. stuff like that is just so cool. Do we, so do we think St. Peter's is going to win another game or you think, you know, their run is done. It's I don't probably know. We've never seen a 15s. I think they're done. I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, just picture yourself in their shoes. No one knew who you were a week ago. Now you're doing national interviews. You got everyone's mm-hmm. talking about you. Everyone knows your name. I mean, how do you stay focused during that? And how do you not just rest on your laurels? I know I would. I'd be yeah. like, oh, <laughs> we made it to sixteen. I mean, what a run. Uh, whereas when you when then you see why it's usually the 15 seed when they win that first game, it's almost I feel like half the time they win the second one because they don't have time mm-hmm. to kind of realize what even happened. Uh, so they're able right. to keep it rolling. But no, I think we got off is too long. All these other teams are – they are expected to be there. Uh, they have national championship aspirations. I don't know if you could say that about St. Peter's. But I love the makeup of that team, and I love how it's just like all homegrown talent. New Jer- he was uh, – I heard him on an interview saying basically it's all from Philadelphia, New Jersey, or New York. That's where we get all of our guys, uh, and I just yeah. love that. One thing I got to throw out, Matt, you start sparked this argument on Twitter. Uh, where do you guys stand on what coaches wear during the games? I'm going to throw my two cents out there, and then you guys can debate it all you want. Here's the way I always looked at it. And maybe it's because the last three or four years I've been going to all these high school basketball games and I see coaches wearing, you know, 
jeans and a like the t-shirt hoodies with their team logo on it or you know uh khaki pants with uh like a polo on top like I, I just feel like coach's attire has gone severely downhill recently like within the last like five years or so guys are wearing like warm-ups on the bench uh i just saw it the other weekend flynn amity there's guys wearing sweatpants coaching the game wearing sweatpants and i'm not saying you have to be like dressed to the nines but is it so hard to just throw on like uh a like a long sleeve dress shirt with a tie and like a jacket. I'm not saying you have to wear a vest with it, uh, but just throw on a white, white dress shirt with a tie. And I even would say this for football coaches too. I love the football coach look with the shirt and the tie on the sidelines. So I'll even go as far to say football as well. Now, if you're a coach like Krzyzewski or Bob Knight, clearly I'm not going to tell him how to dress, but if you're a <laughs> high school coach or you're, you know, one of these lower level college schools, or if you're in a tournament game, like, I don't expect Coach K to get dressed up at the Maui Invitational. I don't expect him to get dressed up for some non-conference game uh, at the start of the year. But the March Madness tournament, you should be wearing a shirt and tie. That's the way I look at it. I'll, I don't think anyone could ever change my opinion. Big games, you should always be wearing a shirt and tie. Matt, before you comment, uh, you know, remember, Jared is our fashion plate here on the podcast. He is. You know, it's he important. Is, you know, it's he, important to him. He, he keeps up on it. You know, all these. It's a joke. All these new these new shopping dates that he's been going on lately. He's, <laughs> yep. he's keeping up on his fashion. No, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you're so hell bent on this take, you know, being, you know, the younger person, you know, some, some younger people are a little more lax with dress codes and stuff like that. But I've been, I've been on the side that I've always thought, you know, like Bob Huggins is one that has always said like his famous line is like, I'm a, I think he said like, I'm a basketball coach, not a banker. And I've always thought, yes, coaches look nice in the suit. I know one of our favorites, Tony Anise, wears the the shirt and the tie yep. on the sidelines. The ball cap. But, yep, Buzz Williams, you know, Texas A&M's coach. He, he wears basically like a three-piece suit on the sidelines. It looks nice. There's no way in hell you could coach catch me coaching in a suit. One, it doesn't look comfortable. Two, you're just sweating profusely through that thing, ruining the suit, basically. Also, why are you taking yourself so seriously? You're a basketball coach. What are you doing? You're going to be going up and down the sidelines. You need to be comfortable. Sweatpants, no. You probably shouldn't be wearing sweatpants. But, you know, they make such nice now, like Jordan, Adidas, you know, whatever, Nike. They make such nice just like quarter zips. A yeah. nice quarter zip with the Michigan logo and the Jumpman. Or even, you know, Jared, I know you're not a fan of the pullover, but, you know, like Huggins wears the pullover. Or even like just a polo shirt. Like if it's hot, you know, you got a really nice collared polo shirt. They make such nice coaching gear that looks nice. Yes, it's not a shirt and tie, but it looks nice. Like way more comfortable. The khakis even aren't like your stiff dockers like they used to be anymore. Like, what are you doing? You're coaching basketball. You're not at a freaking funeral. Don't wear a suit on the sidelines. Come on. Yeah, I'm on Matt's side on this one, unfortunately, wow. for you, Jared. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the, the quarter zip, good sneakers, no sweatpants. Just yeah. comfortable, coach them up. That's all I'm gonna say. No, it, it's hey, just it's I, I don't know. It's obviously it's I'm making it a bigger deal than it is. But when I think of <laughs> think about this, uh, when I was playing in middle school, we had to dress up for game days every day. <laughs> By the time I became a senior in high school, we were wearing you wear whatever you want. How, well, what <laughs> happened between the time I was in middle school when it, you had to wear a shirt and tie to every game to the time I'm in high school, I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts to school. I just hate that. There's, I'm not saying it's uh, you have to be a banker. I'm not saying you have to wear, uh, you know, a, a super expensive suit, but it's not that hard to find a shirt and tie and dress pants. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, Coach Carter, man, go to Goodwill, pick them out of the $2 bin, the ties out of the $2 bin. I, call me old school. Ted, I, I'm more disappointed in you. I mean, what the hell happened, man? <laughs> how do you, how are you? I, I dress for comfort state? nowadays, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, I had, dress for comfort, I had a dress for comfort for the tournament. I got to tell you, uh, my TV viewing schedule, you'll be interested in this. I saw every game pretty much, you know, going back and forth. And the night games, when it got down to that last game, I went to bed at halftime, but DVR'd the second half, woke up, watched the second half. That's how I operated, watched it all. It's like, it. I am. It's, go ahead. I am curious, though. You, you posted the video on Twitter of you using your <laughs> treadmill. Did you track how many, how, how, like, did you walk a couple miles or did you track it at all? Yeah, I did. I did. Yes. And I, I definitely sped it up. I, when I posted that, I go, oh my God, I'm going to get dogged on for how slow I'm walking here. <laughs> That's all time right there. No, I love yeah. it, man. It's like, it's like, it's, it, 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 I, like I said, I always love to think of your uh, retirement life as if it's like a nine to five job still. The, the NCAA yeah. tournament was like your, uh, you know, the quarter reports where you had to put a presentation together for uh, everybody in the company. That's like the way I view it. And you showed out, man. You, you really put together a hell of a presentation. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll wrap this portion up with other than, and just say what a first weekend though, huh? And like you said, right at the beginning, it never disappoints. And, you know, you're on your bracket thing right now, Jared, but two weeks to go, baby. If yep. UCLA goes down next game, you're not looking as good, are you? No. <laughs> it is it say, is funny how this happens like every year. People after the first weekend they brag about where they're at. Right. But it all it really comes down to is if your final four teams are still in yeah. it. That's like yeah. all it really comes down to. And yeah. that's why you know, because that's why I'm because I'm an idiot and trusted Iowa. Two of my final four teams yeah. are out, so I'm done. Yeah. And that's why I love well, I Kentucky. Why I pick my bracket the yeah. same way every year. Ted, you uh, it's it, it blows my mind that you said it was a great pick because no one took UCLA. I always take a I know. team that I know no one else is going to take. And like That's I said, man, smart, I, don't have to worry. I don't have to sit there and uh, if I have Gonzaga versus Arizona in my championship, like everybody else, I don't have to sit there and, and worry about the Michigan State versus Davidson game. Literally, all I have to worry about is UCLA. If they keep winning, I'm going to win money. So that uh, that's why I like to do it. Yeah, it never has worked for me, but it's yeah. It I thought good. it was. I thought it was really good. Just when I was, I'm looking at the whole package. They got a great coach. They have all that experience coming back. They had a deep run last year, starting in the first four. I'm thinking, man, why didn't I think of that? It was, it kind was of, great. It's kind of the same with the Gonzaga pick. A yeah. lot of people, you know, they basically have the same team, and they added Jared's boy Holmgren to the team. You're right. So, yeah, right. But a lot of people just don't trust Gonzaga. You know. So. All right. Well, we'll just say go blue. Let's see what they can do this upcoming weekend. Uh, our fingers are crossed, and let's see if they can uh, make it to uh, the Final Four, perhaps. Got to get by that first game, though, against Nova, and that's going to be a tough task. Well, we're going to talk about a few other things, including NFL football and a few other interesting things that have been happening in sports. But first, take a close listen to this. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. All right, guys, I know we're going to get in the NFL. I know Urban Meyer in the move. In, in Urban Myers is in the news, but 
here's what I want to start with is Baker Mayfield. Now, it's a kind of a 50-50 thing. What is going on with Baker Mayfield? My initial thought, and I'm dead serious about this, if the Lions could somehow make a move, that's an upgrade to me. That's rolling the dice, and that's saving your picks in the draft for other positions. I'd be willing to roll the dice if they were willing, which they won't be right now, but maybe a maybe a three-team deal and involve Goff and bring in Mayfield to the quarterback. Now, I don't know what you guys think, but that's where I'm at today. Flat out, I think it's a horrible idea. And, and I wish I was joking. I just Baker Mayfield, I loved him in college. You know, I was his number one fan. Uh, he's just not a good quarterback. Uh, just really? flat out. He's so small. Not uh, A lot of the stuff that worked in college, you know, his scrambling ability and all that stuff just doesn't work in the NFL. Uh, sounds like he's, you know, basically immature, um, which is a lot, what a lot of people said when he was in college and nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last year, something about him sitting out the very last game of the year last year to, you know, meet with his agent and go over things while the rest of the Browns roster had to play. It just like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I want nothing to do with this guy. He might be a little bit better than golf, but you know what golf isn't going to do. He's not going to make news outside off the football field. And I think all the Detroit lions are trying to do right now is build a culture and if you bring in somebody like Mayfield, yeah, it might work, but the what's the ceiling? I mean, a little bit better than what he was at the Browns. It's just not worth it. Just let him go. Let him go somewhere else. Keep building. And believe it or not, let's run with golf another year. Well, before you jump in, Matt, I mean, Mayfield, first of all, did take the Browns, an inept organization, to the playoffs, right? Drafted number one. He and watching the guy, I agree with you. He's a prima donna, you know, he's got all these ads that he's making money on. Okay, positive, negative, I don't know, but I watched the guy play hurt. He had a he had a shoulder surgery in the offseason, but he played with it. The guy has guts, the guy has, I don't know, he's got something there that has some leadership ability when it's on the football field, and that's just something that maybe you can't put into X's and O's. That's just the one thing that I like about him. Some of the other stuff you brought up, yeah, those are concerns, but he's still a young guy too. Yeah, he's still young, and you wonder if, like, he can put it all together. Maybe he could be a decent quarterback or, you know, maybe like a a higher ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, like, a lot to unpack with this whole Baker Mayfield thing because you you, you brought up, you know, the Cleveland Browns, and he took them to the playoffs twice and won, won a playoff game with them. Right. And the way that they were treating him to me was similar to how the Lions treated Jim Caldwell and how Caldwell, you know, took the Lions to the playoffs a couple times. And then all of a sudden, nine and seven wasn't good enough for Jim Caldwell. Obviously, the new management wanted to get their coach in. There was a little more to it than that. But, you know, all of a sudden they acted like Jim Caldwell wasn't good enough. And it's like, you do realize you're the Lions. <laughs> he made the playoffs and he's going nine and seven. You should be like, paying this guy more money and that's kind of where i was with baker mayfield it was like you do realize you've been trying to you know we've seen the picture of that browns jersey that has 30 names on the back of it because they're trying to find their quarterback it's like you finally found a guy yes he's not patrick mahomes but he's got you to the playoffs a couple times and won a game like why are you all of a sudden acting like this dude is like some scrub like now yes if you can get a deshaun watson who maybe Mm -hmm. has a higher ceiling Okay, I understand that, but it's also like Deshaun Watson, like people are acting like this dude is Patrick Mahomes, and it's like I I understand he has a ton of talent. One, you don't even know if he's going to be on the field. He hasn't played in two years. The light, He's basically a 500 quarterback. I saw his record earlier. He's 28 and 25 as a starter. 
I mean, he's basically a 500 quarterback. So it's kind of like, and you're now you're paying him 230 million guaranteed highest, most money ever for a quarterback. It's just like, you're the Browns for a reason. Basically you, you called him inept earlier, Ted, Mm-hmm. You're, you're trading for this quarterback who you don't even know if he's going to be playing and you're paying him 230 million guaranteed. I mean, come on yeah, now it's... Would, to answer your, like your first question, would I take Baker on the, the lions? The only reason I would say no is kind of what Jared was saying. Cause mm-hmm. they're like just so deep in this rebuild. I don't know if trading for Baker Mayfield is like going to help the rebuild. I know I've been critical of Jared Goff. I don't think he's that good, but I think he's like serv- serviceable enough for this rebuild right now. He can play this year, and then you kind of figure out, you know, you're going to go after like Bryce Young, or maybe there's going to be another free agent next year. So that's why I, if I don't know if I would trade for Baker Mayfield, but it was just as a wild situation. I just can't get out. Picture this in your head: Baker Mayfield wearing a Detroit Lions jersey. How does that not end in anything but utter disaster? <laughs> it's like, just come on. I mean, use your brain. Just, or I, well, what do you was, mean? Or he puts it all together, and no, he, he's not Johnny Mizell. than the Browns, and, and how Johnny about this? How about the fact that OB, are we just forgetting that OBJ? You know, you say this inept uh, franchise, this that OBJ didn't say no. This team sucks because the coaches or Kevin Stefanski's play calling or this or that. No, he said Baker Mayfield. And what did he do? He left, and he became like the best wide receiver in the league, like overnight as soon as he left. So, I don't know. I, I keep me away I from pray. Mayfield. I'm all for the theatrics of it, and that'd be the only reason I'd be like, all right, I guess, like because it would be interesting and we'd be talked about, but it would not be good for the franchise. That that's the biggest thing to me. Like if if they were in a completely like it, it feels like maybe it's the the Honolulu blue shades are coming out already, but <laughs> it feels like the Lions are like right there. If they nail this draft they can really kind of have something going. So like, it's like, it's, I feel like it's like not the right time to trade for a Baker Mayfield. You've got golf. He's okay. He can get you in the next year or two. And then you really figure out the quarterback position. Maybe golf puts it all together, you know, who knows, but it's just the, the quarterback yes, situation yeah, in the man. NFL has been crazy. Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, Deshaun right. Watson to the Browns. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan just got traded to the Colts for a third rounder. A third round pick is all for Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP. You know, obviously Brady retires, comes back. Rogers, Rogers back in Green Bay, but Devontae Adams gets traded to the to the Raiders. Like the NFL's just been wild. It, it's it, it's been like an NBA offseason. And yeah, I can't wait for the NFL. I'm normally not like that, but I'm like count out on the days of the NFL season because it was like I said, it's like an NBA offseason where all these star players are on the move. Brady unretired. I mean, just the fact that Brady's back for at least one more run, that was enough to get you get you ready for the season, uh, at least for me. Uh, I got to throw this out there. I mean, the news that the story that just keeps on bringing gifts, uh, <laughs> Urban Meyer, uh, the latest news today was basically that a lot of staffers reported that Urban Meyer didn't have a basic knowledge of like other star players in the NFL. So much to say that the one I saw was basically he asked the guy, I think they were watching film or some other rounds. And he said like, Hey, who's this 99 guy? Uh, he's pretty good. On the, <laughs> pretty good on the Rams or something along those lines. And I, this urban Meyer story has probably gotten blown out of proportion. Uh, you don't know what you can believe and what you can't believe. It wouldn't surprise me if that's totally fake, but for the sake of our argument, for the sake that it'll never be validated as false. Uh, I, let's just believe that it's true. It makes it that much more funny. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't because- be shocked if it's true because he comes off to me, as probably the most arrogant 
individual that this has ever walked this earth. I mean, you, you can't take away how good of a college football coach he is because he is one of the best college football coaches ever, but he just seems like the biggest prick and the biggest, just arrogant person ever. And I mean, some of my coworkers, when he worked, he had a little cup of coffee in one, one of his retirements, you know, he, he did some work for ESPN and people said that people said he would show up to the set clearly doing no homework. He would just show up and think that he can just, I mean, obviously he knows college football, yeah. so he can show up and just BS college football with the best of them, but that's what he would do. He wasn't, he wasn't like cordial to, you know, the PAs or, you know, the audio people. He'd just show up. I'm urban Meyer. I can do what I want. And he would just you know, like BS his way through college game day or whatever, whatever show he was on. So I wouldn't be shocked if these stories are true. He probably thought that he would go to Jacksonville, draft Trevor Lawrence, and start winning Super Bowls because I'm Urban Meyer. And it's like, nope, you're dealing with grown-ass men now. It's not going to work like that. And you just like picture, dude, the guy's never – like he doesn't watch the NFL apparently. So he saw Trevor Lawrence. He's like, wow, this guy's the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Like we're going to win right. Super Bowls with this guy. Um, no, but I just, I, I still can't get the interaction out of my head. I like to just picture myself. Like if I'm like some, you know, like PA type level role on the, on the Jacksonville Jaguars, like staff, like he turns to me and says like, Hey, who's this 99 guy? Like he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine just that coach? Like I just, I think I, it's getting glossed over. Imagine the head coach saying that to you. Who I, is I would this like, number 99 guy? Maybe the best defensive player ever. Who is he? I, I would like to believe that, Jared, but I I, I have to believe that was sarcasm. I right. have to believe that. I don't I mean, know, man. Even I, Urban Meyer. Come on. <laughs> has, has to be. Hey, before we move on to something else, uh, we haven't really talked a lot of Tigers. And I know, Jared, you'll, you're in depth with the Tigers down there at Valley Sports. Uh you know, this is going to be a definitely a much improved team, but I guess the big story this week was the fact that Korea, you know, signed with the Twins, Korea. and I don't know why he didn't. You know, why the Tigers didn't get him? I mean, I, I'm just amazed. Yeah. I, I I would be more upset if this news dropped, you know, three months ago before the Tigers made all these offseason moves. But right, no, I right. think they've done a great job building a roster. I can really complain letting Korea walk. I mean, yeah. especially when he wanted the type of money he wanted, and we weren't just going to let him you know, basically hold off, make sure nobody else is going to give him a bigger offer and then lose out on somebody like Baez. So I was fine. Yeah. Let him go. We'll build a better roster around him. Maybe Baez isn't as good as Correa, but I like everything else they've done. But in terms of spring training, in my opinion, the big stories have been uh, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green. Man, it'd be play. a shock if they don't make the roster opening day. They if are they, studs, and they've been balling. And then my number they, two one they is, don't make, If they ahead. don't make the roster, get fire Alavila right now. You the drafted rest. these guys. I know you're not going to play them in their first year. It's their you time drafted now. these guys. It's time to play them. Put these Man. guys on the big league roster. They're they're doing everything they need to do. Let's They've go. done it at single A ball. They've done it at double A ball. They've done it at triple A. Play these dudes on the big league roster. Miggy even said that he's cool being a DH. So Torkelson can play first base. Like there's no reason these guys. Riley Green. These are difference makers. These are the difference makers the Tigers have needed for like four or five years. A Torkelson. Um, you know, Riley Green, even Javi yep. Baez can be a solid player. Like th- this is a legit roster. They mm-hmm. need Casey Mize to come on. They need some of these pitchers to really take the next step. And we'll see. And they've got the manager. They've got the manager yep. to do it. So who's the race now? Rodriguez. Rodriguez going to be on the hill opening day, isn't he? Is that Eduardo? Uh, that, uh, that would uh, no. I think it's going to be probably Mize. I would think. Is but it? We'll see. Okay. I, I think it's to be determined. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't know. You know more than I do. If you know who's already been named as the opening day starter, 
Um, no, I'll just say this about Torkelson. I mean, you talk about a guy that has star power. I- I've watched a couple of interviews with him. The guy is charming. He's good looking. Mm-hmm. He's charming. Uh, my favorite part is wearing number twenty, like a number twenty, great baseball number. Uh, yep. My favorite part about him is that he did like a tour of his house. He's an Arizona State alum. Uh, if you know the house that Barry Bonds built, his one mm-hmm. jersey he owns, Arizona State Barry Bonds jersey. I mean, talk about a fire jersey. That's all you need to know about him. Um, but no, I love Torkelson. Number two, Badu has been lighting up spring training just like he did last year. I'm really yeah. hoping it wasn't a, just a, you know, one year came out of the cannon. I think it's really starting to look like he's just going to be a good player in the MLB. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't be happier. They And they need a guy. We, we talked about it last year with him. They need a guy like that, like a spark plug. Type set of the guy, table. You know? Right. And set the table for the big bats, Jonathan Scope and, you know, some of these other guys so they can drive them in. Riley Green, it's finally cool. It just seems like we've been waiting so long. You know, he's kind of a, you know, they drafted him and, He's a he's been in the farm system for a long time. Who's who's the last guy that we've seen in the Tigers farm system that has actually come up and delivered? It's probably Curtis Granderson, you know, so like, you know, it's been a while since we've seen a guy drafted who's actually like come out and been like that good. So hopefully they've this this rebuild has been happening for so long. Play these damn kids. I'm I'm done treating them with baby gloves, you know, in the triple A play, put them on the big roster, see what they can do. Amen. And I'll I tell just want to uh, throw out some of the big storylines this year. Uh, I mean, like we just talked about, Green Torkelson won. Badu, his sophomore season, how will he be back? Miguel Cabrera, 13 hits away from 3,000. I mean, yeah. another great storyline right there. This young right. pitching staff. And then at the end of the day, can we make playoffs and make a push for the for the World Series? I mean, what more could you ask for a season? It, sh- it should be a great one. Let's it just hope be. that it's not what we're used to with most of our sports teams, which is this whole offseason of hype just to basically have it decimated within the first month, which I don't yeah. think it will, but I just, I think it's important that they start off hot and keep the momentum yeah. rolling. Yeah. Good chance of it. And I definitely plan on going to a few games in person this year in my semi-retirement. I'm looking forward to going down to guys, Comerica Park. You guys got those opening day tickets still, right? <laughs> Matt, don't even get me started, man. <laughs> yeah, Apparently we just yeah. don't know what, what's going on with them now. Now it's not even, <laughs> Hey, let's wait. Till I'm next not year. in charge. We don't know what's happening with them. So that's great. I, I'm not in charge. Just put it that way. <laughs> Are we talking All about right. a year that I want to go to opening day? It's this year, but whatever. We're just going to let these tickets just vanish. Would you be able to go and not have to work it? I mean, I would have to know, like, now uh, okay. is what, uh, why I was kind of wondering about it. But it seems like it's too late yeah. now. We don't even have any idea where the tickets are. So, Yeah, I'll tell you what. That, that's a good question. I guess we'll have to try to figure it out. Well, let's leave that part there. Let's wrap up the show right after this short pause and just uh, get the heck out of here. We'll be right back. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. All right, guys, before we wrap, uh, we got to talk a little family news again. Uh, John Fattel, Johnny Fattel, has his Freeland Falcons in the Division II uh, quarterfinals Tuesday night this week. Hopefully they can get by Cadillac. But I'll tell you what, Jared, you were there. I was there. That game against Hamity had pretty much everything in that game, didn't it? 
Oh, it, it, I mean, five technicals, coach getting ejected, <laughs> like three or four different, like 10 plus point runs by each team. I mean, it, it was fun. It was a great game. And maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment. Uh, Ted, you'd probably know you'd have a better answer for this than I would. But comparing the, you know, the tournament and uh, the football finals and all that sort of stuff compared to the uh, actual March Madness tournament for basketball, I still think basketball is king. Uh, it's mm-hmm. awesome. The crowds are so much better. There's so much more into it. Anything can happen any given night, uh, whereas football, it's like the same, you know, four teams every year winning the state championship. Basketball really is a toss up each and every year. Uh, and some, there's something to be said about the there's only being four classes for basketball compared to the eight for for football. Whereas, I mean, I, mm-hmm. every year I'm like half the teams that make it to four field. I'm like, these teams aren't even good. How are they even here? Uh, whereas with basketball, it's you're you really have to be a very, very, very good team. Uh, and that's why I still love basketball. And I still actually, I'm surprised I would say this, but I, I would take the basketball tournament over the football playoffs and Ford Field, in my opinion, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think it's know. similar. I think it's similar to college football and basketball where, yeah, football, you just, you always have, you have these dominant schools who just have dominant programs year in and year out. And while it is awesome to see those dominant programs and how good they are, we we talk about them a lot. Yeah, they're the ones that are always at Ford Field. And then every once in a while, another one is sprinkled in. Whereas with basketball, you'll get a year like this Freeland team who puts it together. And, you know, I think a big thing, too, with basketball, when you have these teams spring up, it's the whole community thing that we've talked about. You see, you know, that small community just rallying around this basketball team. And obviously, you guys have a you know a personal connection, but... I, I think that's why basketball is a little different. You don't, it's kind of like, like we said, like college, it's not always Georgia and Alabama. You know, you got some different teams in basketball. It makes it cool. Yeah. I think the whole high school thing in general is just spectacular, you know, and especially basketball. And you brought up the whole point about it being a, the whole community just jumps on board. I mean, you know, you, we've all seen the movie Hoosiers where they got the whole caravan of vehicles following the team. And yeah. literally that was the case all the way back to 83 when Corona made their run to the state finals. It was, it was humongous news and it was just gigantic, the support they got and, you know, seeing the Freeland fans jam pack. I mean, they were, that gym was three quarters, at least Freeland fans. And the noise level was just incredible. And it's going to be the same way tomorrow night. And we just want to wish Johnny the best of luck in the whole team. It's kind of ironic. You know, we did a special podcast broadcast of Freeland against Puama Westphalia. And we've talked about the Pirates programs before in football and basketball. They're still alive. They're playing in the yeah. quarterfinals. So uh, just best of luck to all our area teams in the castle. We did uh, Fulton's Pirates a, a, a week or so ago. They're still alive. And they came into the, the tournament 500. You know, and they're in the quarterfinals now. So it says a lot says a lot for the league they play in in the Central Michigan Athletic Conference. So good luck to all the teams in our area and uh, looking forward to it. Before we wrap up, guys, back to the tournament. We'll go full circle here. A uh, couple of interesting commercials. How about the Matt oh. Stafford AT&T commercial? Did you like it? Did you think it was clever? I happen to think it was very well done and very well written. I liked it. it. Yeah, it's clever, especially playing on the whole storyline with him leaving Detroit, his life getting better and everything. And it is just funny. He said he loved the Lions, basically, in that. Right, right. right. Yeah, and he's always said that. But, right, it is funny to see Stafford spend so much time with the Lions. Mm -hmm. We know the story. We don't have to get into it. Moves to L.A., and in one year, he wins a Super Bowl, and he's doing national 
commercials for AT&T. It's just and a like a four-year mega contract. And then he signs this mega contract extension and he's never leaving LA. <laughs> he's got LeBron literally putting a 50 piece on the board just because he's in attendance. It's quite a <laughs> uh, culture shift he's had. No, I haven't yeah. seen that commercial to be honest. I need to watch it. Uh, it's really I haven't good. seen it just because I'm always on the March Madness live app, which I should have thrown okay. this out way earlier. Best app there that's ever been made. It works like perfect to perfection every year. Uh, imagine if the tournament was like the Olympics where you just like were switching back and forth between 10 different apps. It would be horrible. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the March Madness live app just is there for you every single year. They have like the little three hour test window. I've never had that expire on me somehow, but I just got to throw a shout out real quick to the March Madness live app. It's awesome. All right. Well, and then speaking of commercials, you know, we, we have sponsors here. We appreciate them very much. But there was one commercial. And since Jared really can't comment, since he didn't see any, uh, the Coke Zero debate the goatness. How many more times do we have to hear that? And they force the play-by-play guys to read it at least three or four times a game. Oh, my goodness. I guess it got its message across, though, because I'm talking about it. But it's it's terrible. It's a terrible slogan. Debate the goatness. Coke Gotta be Zero. honest, I didn't hear it. Don't uh, listen for it. I don't sorry. We 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 will I mean that's okay. That's okay. We didn't watch every literally every second of every game like you did. So uh sorry. I, I didn't catch that one either. Uh but well, you just made look, it, I kind of to it. I kind of tuned some of that stuff out too. I don't know I, if yeah. it's if I don't know why why I tune it out, but sometimes I do. That's all right. Some of my bullet points hit, some of them don't. Uh, what are you gonna do, right? <laughs> those those down, reads though. always crack me up. Like it'll be Jim Nance every year. Yes, like, that's what I'm getting some at. like TV show that's on that station, and it's always right. hilarious. Like him reading <laughs> show it sounds is funny, like horrendous, and you can hear it in his voice. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny. Um what do you always say, Jared? Inside baseball, a little like behind the curtain inside baseball. Like it's funny. I haven't done any games with Jim Nance, obviously, but like the, all the games I've done with ESPN or other ESPN networks, they always talk about before the game, are we going to do these ad reads live? Basically they ask the, you know, play by play or the color person. Right. We have, you know, we have this list of promos and commercials we have to do. We could either pre-pro them, we have pre pre-produce them. We could tape them yep. before. And, you know, and then the tape guys like me could put some cool video to it or, you know, do whatever. Or we just give you it, and when we go to break, we say, read Coke Zero, read Geico, and you do it live. And it's funny how some of them say, I don't want anything to do with reading it live. I do do not want to do that. I sound like an idiot. It's stupid, whatever. And some of them are like, yeah, I don't care. Just give give me the read. Just let me know, and I'll I'll read it going to break. So it's just it's funny to hear how some of them hate, hate doing those Coke Zero live reads going to break. Are you are you talking to them in their ear or are you typing some sort of message to them on a screen? No, you're in their oh, ear. The whole everybody. I mean, I okay. I'm not personally, but the the producer is. Yeah, I talk. But you could. But you, that's. I guess that's one thing that I, that's been awesome to me. Uh, I'll be doing a position that there's no way I should be listening to what the play by play and the color guy are saying like on their talkback and you know off the yeah. air. But I just will. You can like basically you can. There's a whole little monitor, and you can select who you listen to. I always flip them always listen to I, I just think it's cool listening to them. So yeah. I, I always listen. Yeah, because cool. you like to hear the shit they say during commercial breaks or whatever. That's the best. It's hilarious, thing. man. It really is. <laughs> it's some off the wall stuff that but no, it's it's cool. I like it's yeah. it's a really cool way to watch the games, honestly. And whose responsibility is it? This is this always fascinates me. You know, they always say, Well, it's you gotta always assume it's a hot mic, but whose responsibility is 
if it is a hot mic or not, you know, if they're saying all these bizarre things, who gets in trouble if something goes on in the air? They well, say. It, I guess it depends because they have like a talk back button where they can, yeah. that's like where they can talk without it going over the air. But also it's like important that the audio guy or whoever, you know, will cut their mic when, when they're like going to break okay. or whatever and they're done uh, for those type right. of things. Matt, have you ever had that happen where something like that's like really gone awry on the air? Yeah, nothing, nothing that went like super viral, but definitely sometimes where right, they they thought they were hitting their talkback button that went straight to the producer, but they didn't, and they said something yeah. on air like, "What the hell are we doing after this commercial?" You know, they say yeah. something stupid, right? Or right, what? sometimes the the audio person forgets to drop their mic going to break, and they'll say something like, "Oh, what a terrible play by LeBron" or something like that, yeah. and then that goes out over air, and then they're like, "Oh shit, I forgot to cut their mic," so. Well, I mean, that's like probably Marty, what happened. Remember, remember Peyton Manning when he said, I can't hear shit or something like that? He probably right. forgot to hit yeah. his talk yeah. back. That's probably exactly what that was. Right that's right what there. happened. Yep. It's my guess. A uh, little behind the scenes here. Perfect. Good way for us to end the program. Anything else, guys, you got before we sign off? I think we got enough in the can here. March Madness continues. It's going to be a lot of fun. Don't forget out there, follow us at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 The Castle. And high school basketball fans here in Michigan, Tuesday night, Division II quarterfinal from Central Montcalm High School, unbeaten Freeland, the Falcons, Take on the Cadillac Vikings. I did uh, a little research on it just to, to get a feel. They got a 6'9 and a 6'7 kid. So Dang. Freeland Freeland better not be looking ahead to a potential matchup with Williamston. Uh, Cadillac could give them a little battle. 6'9 so, and 6'7 from Cadillac? From wow. Cadillac, yeah. <laughs> Cadillac has had some – they're a solid program. I mean, you know, a lot of yeah. people will point to, like, the whatever team comes from up north as, like, well, they have the right. easiest route every year. But Not I guess of all those teams that have that route, Cadillac seems to always be the one that's knocking on the door. So I guess give credit to them, honestly. Should be a good game and uh, going to go there as a fan. Go Falcons. But everybody, until next time, so long, everybody. Bye for now. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.